The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief at BuffaloRumlinks.com. This is Buffalo Rumlinks Q&A, where I'll be taking your questions and giving my perspective, my opinion, my answers. As always, you can call and leave a voicemail at 716-508-0405. That's the best way to get in touch with us. We're going to have several pieces of audio in this podcast today with phone calls from you, the listeners. Always encourage that. You can tweet us at Rumlinks Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle of it. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, lots of ways to get in touch with us. You can email Buffalo Rumblings at SBNation.com to get your questions answered on air. We're going to be doing a special Ask Me Anything episode in June. So you can send in your questions about anything that isn't the Bills for that episode. We're taking those questions now. You can also send in your Bills questions for the rest of the offseason as we'll be analyzing the Bills every week from here on out. Let's get right to the questions. A bit of a controversial question to start our episode today, and it has to do with Sonoris Perry being issued number 32 by the Buffalo Bills. 32 has been unofficially retired by the team since O.J. Simpson wore it to greatness in the 1970s. Of course, O.J. Simpson's got a lot of baggage since then to discuss, but let's go back to uh, just the number 32. The first pictures of Simpson in a Buffalo Bills uniform, he's wearing 36. That was the number that was issued to him during his uh, rookie offseason. It's not like it is today where a rookie could come in and demand a, a veteran give him the number in a lot of cases, but Anyway, Simpson came in and had to wear 36 for the first several months of his career. Uh, Right before his rookie season, uh, he was able to switch to number 32. It's the only number he wore in a regular season game for the Buffalo Bills. And until this week's offseason training activities, OTAs, Simpson was the only player since 1969 to wear that number. I said this before, and I don't know how many people would argue with me, but I don't think that the greatest tragedy in Buffalo Bills history is Scott Norwood missing wide right 
I don't think it's losing four straight Super Bowls. It's not even the 20-year playoff droughts and going 0 for the 1970s uh, against the Miami Dolphins or anything like that. I think the biggest tragedy in Buffalo Bills history is that the team isn't able to celebrate O.J. Simpson. Simpson was a transcendent football player, uh, a five-time All-Pro, the first running back in NFL history to break 2,000 yards when he did that in 1973. I mean, he averaged 143 yards per game that season. That's unbelievable. But because of what happened in the middle of the 1990s, the Bills, rightfully so, have not been able to celebrate Simpson. His number should have been retired well before 1994 when he was arrested for allegedly murdering his wife and uh, his ex-wife and her boyfriend at the time and all of the infamy that surrounded that as the trial of the century in the 1990s. It should have happened well before that. He was already up on the wall of fame. Uh, no player had been issued his number. They should have retired it, but Ralph Wilson didn't like retiring numbers and so it just was never retired. I'm trying to be careful with my words here because I really don't want to offend anybody and upset anybody. I think that Simpson was a great football player. And before 1994, all of the stuff, the, the, the Hall of Fame, the Wall of Fame, having his jersey retired, all of that stuff should have happened. But it didn't. I'm also a believer of not looking back and... You know, Peter King talks about this all the time, that the Pro Football Hall of Fame is about on-field accomplishments. Because if you took into account off-field stuff, guys like Lawrence Taylor or O.J. Simpson or, or lots of other players wouldn't be allowed in the Hall of Fame. So keeping O.J. Simpson in the Hall of Fame, keeping him on the Wall of Fame, I think is the right thing to do. Not taking him down, not taking his you know memorabilia out of the Hall of Fame, I think that's all appropriate. And once that whole thing went down in the middle of the 1990s, I don't think it was appropriate to retire his jersey. The Bills have rightfully distanced themselves from Simpson in the intervening years since then. He was left off their 50th anniversary team in favor of Thurman Thomas, another great player whose number is retired. And that brings us to 2019. And Perry being issued 32. Now, Perry hasn't uh, has a, a history with the number 32. He wore 32 and 34 previously. Obviously, he's not getting 34 because that number is officially retired by the Bills. So when they said 32 was available, he took it. And I don't have a problem with Perry doing that. My issue lies with the Bills. And now this entire conversation coming up around OJ Simpson because the Bills issued 32 to Perry. I think they should have done what they've done for the last 40 years and just not issued it to anybody keep it on the shelf, unofficially retired, not handed out to anybody else. And it's not exactly honoring Simpson, but it's also kind of treating his accomplishments on the field differently than Simpson, the player. You know, they're not having a big ceremony to retire his number or anything like that, but they're also not putting, you know, that weight and that burden on another running back and not celebrating him in that big kind of way where you would be you know, bringing all of his family back and bringing you know his kids and all this stuff to, to kind of celebrate him while they retire his jersey number. 10,000 yards in a Buffalo Bills uniform, 57 r rushing touchdowns in a Bills uniform. He also added 
almost 2,000 receiving yards and another 12 touchdowns as a receiver out of the backfield. He probably had more touchdowns too with, you know, he was kick returner. He did a whole bunch of stuff for the Bills when he was here in the 1970s. I'm not saying any of that to excuse what happened in the 1990s or the 2000s when he was arrested and convicted of armed robbery. All of that stuff still happened. I'm, I don't think that they should like dedicate a wing to O.J. Simpson or anything like that in 2019. But not giving out his number, I think, was appropriate. I'd love to hear your comments in the comment section here at buffalorumblings.com. I'd love to read your emails or your tweets at rumblings Q and a um, it, it's a really hot button issue and there's a lot of people with a lot of different opinions. So I wanted to give mine hopefully as respectfully as I possibly could. Thanks for listening. Got some more questions coming your way right now. This is Tim from Atlanta. My question is, how much did Brian Dable hold back in his play calling last year with a rookie QB and limited resources on the line and that receiver? To what extent and in what ways might he open up the playbook this year with new offensive weapons and more experience for his returning offensive players? Thank you for taking my question. Hi, Tim. Thanks for calling in from Atlanta. I'm actually loving this question right now because a lot of people weren't really sold on what Brian Dable did last year. And I think he actually did a really good job with the hand he was dealt. Um, He came in with Nathan Peterman and AJ McCarron and Josh Allen as his three quarterbacks, or at least that's who they went into the off season or the bulk of the off season with. But by the time the regular season comes around, it's just Nathan Peterman who's in his second season and Josh Allen, who's a rookie. Peterman comes out and is absolutely terrible in the first week. And then Allen comes in and is you know really inexperienced the entire time. Uh, then later in the season, you have Derek Anderson starting on two weeks of preparation. You have Matt Barkley then starting on two weeks of preparation. You have to go back to Peterman. I think that the quarterback play really put Dable behind the eight ball throughout the 2018 season, and they were able to make it work at least better than Rick Dennison did the year before. Now, maybe the numbers didn't bear it out, but I um, I just liked what I saw better. It's hard for me to articulate articulate that even um, but beyond that. I just liked how he kind of dialed it back in certain instances so that those guys didn't get absolutely lost. I mean, let's talk about that Barkley start against the Jets. I think it was the first play from scrimmage. He goes deep uh, to Robert Foster to try and open it up. Even if that pass falls incomplete and you know Foster was able to catch it and get whatever it was, 45 yards or 60 yards on the first play. No, it was 45. Um, even though he was able to, to, to corral that in, just taking that bomb, you know, it was a max protect. There was only two guys out in the route. They were just trying to open up the, the defense a little bit. And, of course, Foster catching it does that a lot. Because the next play, LaShawn McCoy goes for 20-something yards and a touchdown, a two-play touch, touchdown drive to open up against the Jets for Matt Barkley. You know, just those kind of things, like, I like that. I like taking the deep shot to open up the defense. I like um, backing off the defense by doing that kind of stuff. And when you have Foster and those other guys, you're able to do that. He had some great play designs. Um, the Jason Kroom touchdown against the Minnesota Vikings was a great play design. Um, just a lot of 
really, I thought, innovative stuff that was drawn up for the Bills in 2018. Uh, they completely ignored the offensive line last offseason, and it was just kind of a, a, a mess. When Wyatt Teller is getting in there and just kind of taking his lumps, I don't think he played particularly well, but they didn't have a whole lot of other options. You know, they put Isaiah McKenzie into the offense a week after claiming him after he was cut by the Denver Broncos. Like they had nothing at wide receiver. They had nothing at offensive line. They had a bear, a pretty bare cupboard at tight end. I just, uh, they didn't get very much from the running game. I think that they did a nice job with what they had last year. And we're really going to see the Brian Dable offense this year. Now that the bills have added a bunch of tight ends, wide receivers and offensive linemen. They've made a big investment in the offense. It's put up or shut up time for Dable and Josh Allen. And I think everyone pretty much knows that, you know, I don't think it's make or break for Josh Allen and Brian Dable. Uh, it, unless the offense is absolutely horrendous this year, Dable's going to come back next year. So you know, 2020 might be the year that they kind of explode, but we should be starting to see some of those signs in 2019 as the training wheels start to come off of Dable and Josh Allen. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do with an offensive line, even though that offensive line is going to be in flux for the first part of the season. Hopefully they'll be able to settle in by the second half of the season and really start to show you know, what Brian Dable is all about as an offensive coordinator. He was definitely limited last year, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in 2019. Thanks again for your question, Tim. He called us at 716-508-0405. <laughs> We'll be right back after this quick break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, this is uh, Brendan from Montreal. My question of the day is, I was wondering how many wide receivers do you think the Bills will hold once training camp is over and on the final roster? Thank you. Hey, Brendan. Thanks for calling in from Montreal. Beautiful city. Visited it several times. The wide receiver position is in a state of flux. The Bills signed John Brown and Cole Beasley. They added um, Duke Williams and... David Sills and Nick Easley and Andre Roberts, they've completely revamped that position. Uh, they've got some holdovers that a lot of people are excited about. 
And of course, there's differing levels of excitement about certain players in that list. But when I'm looking at the wide receiver position, I see three absolute locks to stay on the roster. And I'm probably going to get some crap for this, but I think the only three locks at the wide receiver position are Zay Jones, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. Uh, They're not going to give up on a second round pick as easily as um, some of the other players that might be further down the depth chart and Brown and Beasley are locked in based on the big free agent contracts they signed this offseason and the guaranteed money that's owed to them in 2019. Most people would probably put Robert Foster into that same group. He played 90-something percent of the snaps coming down the stretch in 2018. He stayed in Buffalo all offseason, showed his work ethic. They really liked what he uh, brought to the table at the end of 2018, but they also talked about everything he's done so far in 2019. And he had a good couple days at OTAs, which, you know, whether you put stock into that or not is up to you. But I'm I'm not saying he's a roster lock. They cut him six months ago. Um, if for some reason he kind of shuts down at some point in training camp or the preseason, um, doesn't give his full effort, then you know, I could see them cutting him again. The interesting thing about him is he's apparently done this kind of 180 since he was cut for the first time. And uh, you know he says he's over his entitlement issues and things like that. So um, I mean, he's probably pretty close to a roster lock, but I'm not going to say he's a roster lock right now. So the only of those three guys, uh, Zay Jones, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. Looking at the rest of the guys, um, Andre Roberts is probably a roster lock. They gave him a good chunk of guaranteed money to be their returner and uh, sometimes receiver. So let's look at the rest of the guys that are in the wide receiver group. You've got uh, Victor Bolden Jr., a holdover from last year, but uh, probably, uh, you know, an ancillary guy, uh, Isaiah McKenzie. A lot of people liked what he brought to the table last year, but it, it really was, you know, the fact that there was nobody better. I, I don't think he's a guy that's going to make this roster. Uh, Ray Ray McLeod, another former draft pick. Cam Phillips, an undrafted free agent from a year ago who did have some time on the roster. Damari Scott, another guy who had some time on the roster, but, you know, didn't really stand out. Uh, Duke Williams, a signing from the CFL that a lot of people are excited about. Um, uh, I'm not anticipating anything from him. Uh, he's already released by one NFL team and then had to go up to Canada to even play. So I'm not anticipating a whole lot of stuff from him. David Sills is a, an undrafted free agent that a lot of people are expecting to come in and maybe be able to contribute and make the roster. Uh, Nick Easley is another guy in that same boat. So there's a lot of guys at the position, and I can definitely see two of them ending up on the practice squad going forward. But I think uh, if you just count up the guys that I think are roster locks, it's Jones, Brown, and Beasley. Add in Andre Roberts as your return guy, and probably Robert Foster as your fifth wide receiver. The Bills might only keep five, depending on the tight end position, especially that opening roster now that Tyler Croft is hurt. If they keep four tight ends so that they can do what they want to do at tight end, that's that might take away a roster spot at wide receiver. So if they only keep five, those are probably the most likely five. If they go up to six, um, it'll be for a guy that can add something that none of the other folks can. So a guy that'll contribute on special teams. Um, he could be maybe a little bit out of the backfield or you know, split out, be in the slot, things like that, but definitely playing special teams. And I'm not 100% sure who's going to be doing that and standing out in that regard during the preseason and training camp. So uh, if they do go to six, that's the guy that it'll be. It'll be a special teamer who can also you know, give you something in the wide receiver room, things like that. Um, so maybe that's McKenzie. Maybe that's Duke Williams. You know, He's certainly big enough to handle that 
going to roll. So we'll see how it all kind of shakes out over training camp. But I still think it's five or six. I don't think they're going to go up to seven. And especially with the the tight end situation and the injuries there, keeping uh, five wide receivers starting to make more and more sense going into the 2019 regular season. Thanks for your question at 716-508-0405. Our Twitter question of the week comes from Ben Kerr at last word B Kerr, K-E-R-R. Are there any edge pass rushers around the NFL that are possible cuts in the coming weeks due to contract situation and could interest the Bills as free agents? kind of like Lee Smith at tight end. Thanks for your question, Ben, at Rumlings Q&A. Ben did ask this question before Jerry Hughes was re-signed. So if his concern was going forward in 2020, then he doesn't really have to worry about that anymore because Hughes, uh, of course, is re-signed. So they have uh, Hughes and Trent Murphy both under contract past the 2019 season. They have seventh round pick Daryl Johnson technically under contract past the 2019 season. Uh, They've got Eddie Yarbrough who they have control over heading into the 2020 off season. So they have options at pass rusher. They're probably going to need to still add one a year from now to replace Shaq Lawson and hopefully improve on Shaq Lawson's pass rushing ability, whether that's in the draft or free agency, they're going to at least be, you know, not super desperate going uh, into the 2020 NFL free agency and the NFL draft because they were able to re-sign Jerry Hughes. So now that we have the timing issue of that out of the way, we can discuss uh, Ben's question a little bit more in depth for the 2019 season. There's two names I'm going to talk about here, but neither of them are going to be released. They're not going to be roster casualties. Uh, Vic Beasley of the Atlanta Falcons and Jadavion Clowney of the Houston Texans. Now Clowney is the biggest name and uh, there was a lot of speculation Buffalo might actually trade for Clowney during the 2019 NFL draft. That didn't end up happening, but Clowney is a guy that would come in and immediately upgrade the bills in the short term and the long term. He's a guy that I advocated for earlier in the off season add him, re-sign Hughes, uh, even if they got rid of Trent Murphy, um, keep Shaft Lawson for the 2019 season. You have a really nice rotation at defensive end and um, and kind of a future plan as well. So right now, I mean, Jerry Hughes is your future plan and he's what, 32 years old or going to be 30? No, he's going to be 31 uh, coming up this August. So not exactly a great future plan, but Clowney would have been younger entering the prime of his career. He's a guy I still would love to see them trade for, but if it's going to cost a first round pick, which is probably what the Texans are asking for, I'm not interested in that particular conversation. So if the Bills can get him for a second round pick, hey, I'd love that, but not a first round pick, um, especially because we don't know where the Bills are going to be um, drafting in 2020. So he's a guy that uh, a lot of people think is still on the trade block. Uh, Beasley is a guy that had one great season for the Falcons at defensive end, uh, kind of a couple subpar years at linebacker and then moving back at to defensive end as they've kind of gone through this transition on their defense. Um, his contract for 2019 is fully guaranteed as a fifth year option. And so it's not like the the Falcons are going to release him because they already have to pay him. So they might as well keep him around, but uh, they could trade him again. uh, Buffalo might be willing to eat that salary in exchange for getting Beasley's services for one year. 
he's a guy that I mean I'm intrigued by. He he's had one great season. Um, I think with the addition of Ed Oliver, with Jerry Hughes, with Shaq Lawson, he wouldn't be asked to be the guy as a pass rusher. And uh, the focus of the other offenses, you know, game plan and, and pass blocking strategy. So, I think he could come in and and be good for the Bills. the The only question is, you know, what compensation are you willing to give up? And I'm definitely okay with giving up a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick or something like that for Beasley. But with a fully guaranteed contract like that, you know, the Bills shouldn't be, you know trading a thir- third round pick for a guy on a one-year contract it just isn't doesn't make a whole lot of sense and kind of the same conversation around Kyle Rudolph if it's a one-year rent-a-player I don't want them giving up you know a potential starter down the line for a one-year rental so those are two defensive ends prospects that I would take a look at in the trade market I don't know too much about like potential roster cuts haven't looked ahead at that but uh, I definitely think the Bills will be interested in one of those guys coming down the pipe. They had defensive end as a draft need going into the 2019 NFL draft. They weren't able to secure a long-term answer at that other than seventh-round pick Daryl Johnson. So uh, I, they'll, they'll be keeping their eyes open for that for sure. Thanks for your question on Twitter, at Rumlings Q&A. You can find us there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with your questions for next week's episode. To end our show here, we have a little rant from BJ. I liked what he had to say, but he didn't ask a question. So I'm not going to really talk after it. I just want you to hear what BJ had to say. Hey, 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 what's going on? This is BJ out of Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, I got a question, but I really want to get what's on my mind out here. You know what I mean? Now, I've been reading up on posts and seeing things about Buffalo Bill. They're going to be the same bill. They're going to have a 6-10 and 10 record. Um, they are going to have a high draft pick next year. But one thing I want to say is I want Buffalo Bills to prove them wrong like they did in 2017 when they made it to the playoffs. Everybody doubted them. I want them to have that same motivation. You know what I mean? That same urge that, look, we're not going to be the same team as last year in 2018. I want the Bills to make it to the playoffs and at least beat the Patriots at least one time this year. I'm tired of getting skunked by them every damn year. You see what I'm saying? But I want Shady to be back to form. Devin Singletary learn from them. You know, Tyler Croft just came came out with a bad broken foot. We got a lot of tight ends. Just they got to elevate their game up. That's all. Elevate their game up. Duke Williams, I want to see big things out of you this year. See big things. You know, take over. You know, our receiving core, we got a group group of uh, guys there that I like. You know, Cole Beasley and John Brown. You know, but they got to form some chemistry with Josh Allen. You know, there's a lot of receivers to throw to, and there ain't no eye in team. So spread that ball out. But Josh Allen got to make good decisions with the football. You know what I'm saying? Good decisions with the football. And that offensive line, just find the best starters and start their ass. You know what I mean? Start them. 
you know, because I feel like if Buffalo had a if they have a bad year this year, I don't know. It's they gotta have to they gotta gotta be some more changes. You know what I mean? I, I respect the process, as they say. But hey, they got to have a good year this year. You know? They got to. You know? I expect big things. And when it comes November, the uh, what, uh twenty fourth or the twenty eighth, I think Thanksgiving, one of the two, hey. I want them to show their ass on the Cowboys because I can't stand them. But, hey, thank you, and uh, go Bills. I don't know how much I'm counting on Duke Williams, but I do think that the Bills are going to do better than 6-10 and 10 this year. So let's just leave it at that with BJ's little rant. Thanks for calling in, BJ, at 716-508-0405. <laughs> That's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Please call in your questions at 716-508-0405. We've got an Ask Me Anything episode coming up in June where you can ask me questions about the blog, about podcasting, about anything that isn't the Buffalo Bills. That's coming up in June. And of course, we always have our regular shows where you can ask about the Buffalo Bills and everything surrounding them. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. Send us messages on Facebook or Instagram. Leave comments in the comment section at buffalorumblings.com. Send us an email at buffalorumblings at sbnation.com. We always look forward to hearing from you guys. Thank you.